1: This is TalkSport Daily.
2: Hello, happy Tuesday, my friends, and of course, welcome to another Anna Goldstein TalkSport Daily podcast. Oh, no, TalkSport Euro Daily podcast. Oh, you've changed the name and that's all you've done. And we start today with the bright defender Ben White getting called up to replace Trent Alexander-Arnold in England's Euro 2020 squad. Just as old Stuart Pierce said in yesterday's podcast.
3: I thought he looked quite assured. I thought he had a good, steady game. Quite impressed with him, I've got to say.
2: This was Danny Murphy's reaction to the news right here on TalkSport.
4: With Harry Maguire's injury problems, question mark over the other centre-halves who could replace him. Yeah, why not? I think he's had a good season. He's a good footballer. can play midfield can play right back, can play in a three, can play in a four, great pace. Yeah, I don't mind, I like it. I think he did well yesterday as well. Maybe yeah. maybe that was enough to get him in. Ben White has played a lot of games for Brighton in a holding midfield role. And he covers the centre-half position. So th- there's different ways of looking at this. And you're never going to please everybody when you pick this squad. You're always going to have somebody that Ward-Prowse should be in. Or Lingard. I mean, you could argue Lingard in the last three months of the season was the best player.
2: Now, should Jack Grealish start at the US for England? Yes, of course he should according to two former three-line strikers, Dean Ashton and Edward Sheringham. The Times' Harry Winter has said that the Villa player is now undroppable, but first we'll hear from Adrian Durham, who wants Southgate to start with Phil Foden, Grealish and Mason Mound, behind Kane, but doesn't expect to see it happen
1: and I
4: accept Grealish has been out, but every time he's on the pitch, he looks like something's Ooh. going to happen, doesn't he? Foden, it cannot be ignored. You can't leave Phil Foden out, surely. And Mason Mount is he's like almost a complete player, isn't he? He's got everything. So those three, I mean, I'm getting excited thinking about it, but that's how I feel about it. I don't think Gareth Southgate feels that way. To Grealish! Oh! Jack Grealish with a Go! I mean, I thought about two weeks ago before Grealish went on this, this great run of form with England, that England's front four will be Rashford on the left, Foden on the right. You've got to play Foden and particularly yeah. on the right. I think he's been outstanding. Mason Mount, you look at all the big games that he has played for Chelsea and also for, for Southgate, you assume he will play in that slightly more floating number 10 role, assuming that Southgate goes with the four two three one 3 one and obviously with Harry Kane up front. But I think Grealish has, has positive, in a positive way, has sort of slightly clouded the situation I can't remember England going into a tournament with such sort of uncertainty or with so, so many sort of doubts about who the actual starting eleven will be. It's a little ball flick round the corner from Shaw, back towards Grealish. Grealish taking it on, goes down inside the box and it's a penalty to
0: England. I think the more players that we've got that can receive the ball, retain the ball and play the game, take, take the game to the opposition rather than worrying about what the opposition are going to do to us. And Grealish definitely does that. He receives the ball goes forward, sees passes, makes things happen. So I don't know whether he's going to be in Gareth's starting lineup, but I think he would definitely be in mine. He was the one player that you just thought any moment now he'll be able to do something and create something. He created the chance for Sancho to hit the bar. He always looked a threat. He's something totally different to what we've got. And I think in the difficult games against Croatia,
2: you need players like him that are going to be the difference.
1: Grealish playing it with the outside of the right boot. Fashions the ball for Kane. Grealish has continued his run. And we'll Get in here! His flick wide, it from a turn angle gives England the lead.
0: When you talk about Gazza and how good he was, right,
4: as a footballer, and I'm not try- trying to compare, it, in but I mean, you way. are,
3: yeah. he <laughs> can finish it here. two
0: When you look at the players now, he is the modern day Gazza, isn't it? That's what, what he-, he is. When he's got the ball at his feet, the dribbling, hard to get the ball off him, makes opposition make tackles on him that get fouls.
2: So he's a definite starter. Now on Thursday night, Hawksby and Jacobs host a special documentary celebrating 25 years since Euro 96 and, of course, one of the greatest football anthems, Three Lions. They spoke exclusively to the stars of the song David Baddiel and Frank Skinner who explained how special it was to hear its revival during the 2018 World Cup. We'll go on
1: getting back, i on getting back, on getting back, on getting back, it's on getting
0: just make one thing absolutely clear as well about Three Lions right which is obviously we love it and it's great but it is incredibly tied and this is such a weird thing because this is not true of any other piece of music or piece of art to the the success of a sporting team Mm -hmm. so we it will do no good at all if England don't do well so the fact that we got through to the semi-final was why it was doing that but then there was this extra thing which we hadn't had before which is people were having street parties and singing footballs coming home, whatever, in wherever it might be, Doncaster or wherever, putting that on social media and then it was ballooning. Well, it was the memes, it? Yeah, the, the memes,
1: wasn't Yeah, the memes shows that. 2018, that really, really came home because we didn't release it in 2018. It was, we just, it was done.
2: Remember, you can listen to It's Coming Home, the story of the Three Lions, on Thursday from 7pm right here on TalkSport. Well, I mean, over there. Well, I mean, I said over there. I mean, over there on TalkSport. This is a podcast. It's starting to sound like Trevor Brookin. Well, I mean, you say like Trevor Brookin. <coughs> doesn't sound anything... Anyway, this is the former Scotland manager, Gordon Strachan who has been speaking to TalkSport's James Savundra, ahead of the Scots' first international tournament since France 98, which, of course, was way back in... 9 it doesn't say. Anyway... Savo asked Strachan how he feels about Scotland finally reaching another major competition after a long time away.
3: I'm just a wee bit sorry that the stadium is no fool because they definitely had. It was like when the Wales supporters went over the last tournament and I got on a plane with a lot of Wales supporters 2016 in France. And it was fantastic and I'm sure the Scots would have done the same with this tournament. There's a few of us getting to games, but it's not the same. But I think what, what Scotland have got to add to this. I think we're in a good place at the moment, Scotland. I, I think we're one of the teams that, I was looking at today Other the teams, that we're one of the teams that the big boys don't really want you know. There's rather no players, because I think we've got a great set up, great organization we we've got good midfield. I don't have to, when we play England, I don't think that'll be a problem Stand up to their midfield. I think our players are, are really terrific in that area. Obviously there's areas that we're a wee bit not as strong as England, but in there we can make a difference. So if you have that midfield four and a back five, then it's got to be, if you go one down against Scotland, Scotland score, then it's got to be right hard for anybody to beat us.
2: Now, here's some good news for England fans. Germany might get knocked out of the Euros at the group stage. That's according to Talksport's very own Jose Mourinho. Here's the special one to tell us more. I think they can be out in the group phase. It can happen. But I think if they go through the group phase, they can go all the way. Uh, Joaquín is going to be the coach. He will leave after the competition ends. Everybody knows that. Everybody is stable with with that. Uh, the players they have a history with uh, with him. Uh, some experience is coming back. Some young guys, very talented young guys, are going to be to be there. I would say Kimmich is the kind of example of a fantastic young player that is going to be not just the present, but the future of of the country. And the Germans are the Germans, and I think this says everything. So who is going to take over for Mourinho at Spurs? Well, it won't be Antonio Conte, as that deal has fallen through. Simon Jordan told Tuxball that Tottenham must appoint an elite manager to move on from Mopo.
0: I think if Tottenham want to embrace the challenges in front of them, of rebuilding the squad, dealing with the Harry Kane situation dealing with the need... To have a team that matches the scale, size and scale of the commercial operation and ambition of the commercial side of that business, with the stadium being built and the finances that Tottenham once had a couple of years ago, they're going to have to go to an elite manager. If you're going to go to Graham Potter, you're going back into the territory where Pochettino was. Everyone looks at vision of Pochettino now because it arrived. At the time, there were a lot of Tottenham fans that liked the way Southampton's played, it was it was but thought, well, this is an unambitious appointment, and now they've got the vision. Potter can be one of those, but that comes with its own set of challenges because he doesn't know whether... Graham Potter talks a good game, manages a good team, did well in in Sweden or Norway, wherever he was, and did well at Swansea, and has done well at Brighton. It's a big departure going to Tottenham and trying to get into the top four. That's a different style of player, it's a different set of outlooks, different set of expectations. I think that Conte was an ask, but I think they've got to be in that pond. I know a
4: player that met Conte when he wanted to sign him at Chelsea and said the meeting itself made him not sign for Chelsea. Because the way he was, yeah, like very authoritative, like a bit more, a bit retiring. This is the way I do it. This is what's going to happen if you come. And, and and you could argue that's fine for some players. They like that, and it's worked. He's won champion. You know, I'm not, I'm not doubting his. But but that player didn't work. If someone uh, haven't the good attitude or good behaviors in different circumstances, I prefer to kill him. And Daniel Levy is his own man he's got to have a working relationship with this guy. And if he walks through the door and gone, this is the only way it's going to work, Daniel. If you do this, this, is and yeah, this. you work for and me. Daniel's gone, I oh, wish you not bothered with this. You meeting. work for me. Yeah.
2: Now, the vice chairman of Manchester United Supporters Trust, Dave Pennington, has been speaking to the club's co-chairman, Joel Glazer, for the first time. He told Jim White that despite a fan-share scheme being promised, the time it's taken the Glazers to sit down with them makes him very wary.
0: He's promised to implement a fan share scheme that will be of uh, equal voting rights, and he's offered to uh, set up an improved level of supporter engagement through the uh, through this uh, advisory board. Are we positive about it? I think on past uh, experience. We're positive but cautious. I think we've even said in our statement that devil was in the detail. You know, we've we've heard sort of vague promises before. This is much more, you know, on the record. So we would hope that that will be the case. But until we actually sit down and discuss exactly what that's going to mean and how it's going to work, then, as I say, we will be We'll be cautious. (laughs)
2: On now to Fight Night's Gareth Archibald-Davis, who said that the fight between Paul Hogan from Crocodile Dundee and Floyd Mayweather was nothing more than a money-making exhibition.
0: Floyd said all along it was a legalised bank robbery and it was nothing more than an exhibition bout between an absolute novice whose delight at the end of it to get through eight rounds against... Floyd Mayweather was so obvious and tangible and Mayweather was just you know without a scratch on him was just at the press conference saying probably my last one he'll do something else next Ricky Hatton did a piece in one of the Sunday papers saying that you know that Floyd was denigrating the sport by doing it but if Ricky had been offered 62 million to fight Logan Paul do you think he'd have said no? Do you think if Simon Jordan was offered 62 million to fight Derek Chisora he'd say no? Of course he wouldn't I'd fight him for 62 quid (laughs) ha ha
4: Oh, oh now that was, if ever there was a dangerous comment, I know, that was it. I know, I'll take that, that back. Who? That was it. If you
1: think I'm a punk, you tell me right now.
2: That's it. That's all we've got time for the podcast. Thanks for listening on the Tubbsport app, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm back on my show tonight, Andy Goldstein Sports Bar, Monday to Thursday from 10 p.m. alongside the Funboy. There will, of course, be another one of these Andy Goldstein Talk Sport Daily podcasts. Oh, Euro Daily podcast That's what I meant. First thing in the morning. So do what you've got to do to get it. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a great day. And above all, be safe, everyone. Be safe.
1: That was a podcast from Talk Sport.